Hey guys, Jim Cox, and I'm here today with an interview with Josh Miller. He is a an activist and a business person and really shaking things up. And it's interesting that we scheduled this months ago to take place today. And today is, of course, June 1st, the start of Pride Month. So it's entirely appropriate that we uh, we talk today. So Josh, thanks for taking the time to chat. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here and looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, you've you've been an activist in terms of um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender rights. Um, tell us a little bit about your background, how you got into it. What drives you? So I originally am from the Chattanooga, Tennessee area. I grew up on Lookout Mountain. And that was really, at the at least at the time when I was there, a very conservative and religious place. And so my experience in as, as a queer person um, comes from one of not feeling accepted in my community and also not uh, being receiving messages that my life quote unquote, lifestyle choice was a sin, right? And so really thinking about how as a storyteller, as a queer person whose understanding of themselves and their identity and expression continues to evolve, how I can use my skill sets, um, storytelling and collaboration and uh, working with uh, different organizations to push for change. And so I'm now married to my husband, Theo, and we started a nonprofit a decade ago. So this is our 10 year anniversary that has um, throughout our 10 years really been queer and LGBTQ plus led and focused on how we can create a more equitable and just society and thinking about the role that our experiences as um, queer people and LGBTQ plus folks plays in imagining a different future where we don't have to cover and downplay and hide filter parts of ourselves whether it's at work or in our communities, uh, but also really seeing the value in celebrating and understanding people's lived experience and stories. And so that's a lot of where my work has focused over the past few years. Nice. So, I mean, to me, it seems like, you know, with the advent of the Obama administration and a lot of the reforms that kind of took place in that, in that area, that things dramatically improved for the queer community is I mean is that an accurate statement or am I kind of looking at things with rose-colored glasses so to speak I think there's really been an ebb and flow over the past few years uh, certainly but I think especially where we find ourselves now with a record number of anti-LGBTQ plus and anti-trans legislation being proposed across the yeah. U.S things we're seeing connected to Pride Month specifically, think about what's happening with Target right now and their Pride section and how corporations are going to step up as champions and allies and um, advocates for the community. I really think we there have been bright spots. You think about marriage equality and things like mm -hmm. that, but we still have so much work to do in mm -hmm. terms of not only ensuring from a from a legal perspective people's rights, but also from a cultural perspective of understanding 
and embracing all of these different ways of moving through the world and not seeing that as a threat to ourselves or things that we that they need to be afraid of but these are part of what inform people's ability to contribute at work and have joy and meaningful experiences in the world so we've got a lot of work to do mm. in that realm still so a lot of the work that you do is working with corporations to try to improve how they relate to people especially in terms of the 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 queer sphere and and trying to help them humanize their operation i mean how do you do you have corporations come to you do you seek out corporations to try to uh, suggest that they can do better? I mean, how, what is that dynamic? How does that work? There's certainly some proactive outreach, but there, um, it's been wonderful to see over the past five to six years in particular, corporations reaching out to say, you know, we want to have you come in and do workshops or come in and do speaking because we want to expand the understanding of our our people leaders, our executives, our teams in general about, you know, what what language can we use to make this an inclusive space? How do we set up the environment? Think about things like bathrooms and different access needs that people have. Um, and so also, how does that translate to hiring practices and different ways of embracing how, you know, the lives employees have both inside and outside of work. So as I've talked to people over the past few years, um, I've talked to corporate leaders who were gay who may not have ever mentioned having a same-sex partner, or in some instances don't mention that they're married to someone of the same sex um, because of the culture in which they work and there is fear or um, stigma around maybe this is going to impact you having a job at all. Maybe it impacts your trajectory within that role. Uh, maybe you feel physically unsafe at times. And so there are a lot of different tools and different activities that we've developed to help people think more expansively about that and to understand how what the actual impacts are not only on the individual and our health and well-being but also on what that means for someone's contribution to work and to what they're able to help a company achieve and so you know as um, i mentioned the organization theo and i started ideas x lab and that was at a time when i was in my 20s as a young queer professional and so i very much had fear that i couldn't show up with, you know, you can see me now, but I have long wavy brown hair. I generally wear makeup um, and jewelry and more what could be considered feminine or androgynous attire. And I toned all of that down out of fear that people wouldn't want to fund us. They wouldn't maybe want to work with us because we were quote unquote too gay or represented something that they weren't familiar with. And that's been something I've actively worked to unpack. But the ramifications of that from a stress perspective, a coping perspective. My my coping mechanism of choice was drinking, um, but now I've been sober for five years. So that's a good, good step forward. Um, but helping people to understand there are real ramifications when people have to cover who they are at work, especially if you're LGBTQ plus, or if you have a disability, or if you're a person of color, because um, it's something that impacts all different groups. And so that's as I'm doing outreach and trying to challenge corporations to think about what does an uncovering movement look like and how does that also support the LGBTQ plus community? That's what I'm thinking about. So how do you change a corporate culture 
that is hostile to kind of individuality like that without them feeling attacked and threatened. I mean, that has to be a delicate dance to really do it and to be able to get through to people that, you know, you're not there to destroy, you're there to help create. I think part of it is helping people to see that whether or not they identify as LGBTQ+, there are different ways in which they have felt othered. And they maybe, even as, you know, um, if you look at the data from a covering perspective, it's been everyone from straight white men to women of color, to veterans, to, to all different types of people. And so part of it is setting that foundation of this is something that all impacts us in different ways. And so when you start to think about maybe my experience is different, but I, I can understand the negative impact, that can help to then shift some of that orientation. Um, but I think what I've seen a lot of is that a lot of it comes from fear. It's fear of the unknown. It's fears of what happens if something changes. And so helping helping give people the language mm. to be able to step into conversations in a more educated way is a huge component of overcoming fear. If they're able to talk about it and name different things or know, here's a question I can ask. Or if I make a mistake in um, misgender someone and call them the wrong pronouns, ma'am, instead of sir, which that happens to me all the time. Um, but there, there are constructive ways of engaging them in that conversation to say, hey, this is inaccurate. I recognize that it wasn't on purpose. Here's a way that it could have been, um, that you could have sought to understand this about me differently mm -hmm. in a way that kind of makes, makes um, stepping into those conversations more comfortable. So we were just uh, traveling and we were, um, we were at a meeting with someone and they said, well, they hadn't had, they hadn't had a meal with a, a, someone who presents like I do, androgynous or gender nonconforming, and we're seeking out language. What is a way that I can, you know, effectively engage with someone in a respectful way? And we talked about how when it comes to people's relationships, it could be marriage, it could be partners, a way to not assume someone might be married to someone of a specific sex is to ask, oh, so what is your partner's name? Because you're leaving it open for them to self-define. And so similarly, asking, well, I'd love to know how you identify is a way for people to understand different facets of a colleague or someone that they're meeting with. Um, that still leaves the space open for that other person to say, well, maybe I use uh, he, they pronouns, or this is how I identify and this is how I'd like you to refer to me. That's just one example of here's some language and here's some tools and processes for kind of embracing the many ways that people are showing up, especially as Gen Z um, becomes such uh, a broader presence in the workforce. And so many of them are identifying across the LGBTQ plus spectrum. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems like language is really kind of the center of the battleground, so to speak, yeah. not to give it that connotation, but just the, the conflict that's arisen between forces that are opposed to diversity and those trying to promote diversity. And 
really seems to be. And to me, it, it, it always what seems to make the most sense is the phrase, you know, no one's free until everybody is free. Yeah. And that how can anybody be offended by that? You know, but in reality, that's what we're talking about, you know. And yet we see that because a lot of the hostility, like you said, is it stems from fear, fear of the unknown. Yeah, I think I, I like that quote as well. And I think that's a great way to sum it up. Um, mm -hmm. So I, like you said, I think the language is one of the biggest challenges that we have. I don't think our language was designed for the world that we're in now. Yeah. And in terms of how we how we engage with each other and ways of understanding who each other are. And so as we're able to better adapt and create the language that we need, I think that's going to be really helpful. Yeah. Um, but it's also going to require there's going to be continuous, you know, levels of discomfort as we kind of move through the phase that we're currently in now. Yeah. And it's interesting because language, because of social media is changing so fast. And that can be a negative, but also it's a positive because it creates the opening to be able to affect change that's different than what it was before in a positive way. So double-edged. What, um, you know, one of the things that I've seen is far as from a business perspective is that diversity is positive for business, you know, that having a diverse workforce, a diverse management group helps businesses do better financially. And when you look at a world which is struggling economically, you would think that that would be a good message for, for them to embrace. Have you seen that? Have you seen this kind of drive towards promoting diversity as a way to help the business do better from like a, a top-down management approach? Would it be okay with you if we paused really fast? Sure. I apologize. Our... Yeah, so I think... Go ahead. As we look at the different ways that companies are working to support the LGBTQ plus community, I've seen that happening in a lot of different ways. You've got employee resource groups. That's one way that they're creating community and seeking to educate people across different areas of the workforce. There are a lot of different organizations like the National Gay and Lesbian Chamber of Commerce that are helping to certify LGBT-owned businesses and help to get them in the pipelines with corporations who are wanting to hire and support um, minority-owned and LGBT-BE-certified businesses. And then some of the work that we've talked about and touched on, the different types of ongoing workshops and learning opportunities and trying to expose employees to different people from different, you know, across the age spectrum, across all of these different ways of understanding uh, the employee as the whole self. And so they're doing it on varying levels in terms of their degrees of success. But the ones that I'm seeing really focus on the long game. Uh, this isn't a one-off. You come in, someone does a presentation and that's all good. Everybody's caught up and they're trained, but what does this look like as an active yeah. ongoing engagement where employees get to talk to each other, they get to hear from leadership, 
I think the role of leadership in this work is so pivotal in yeah. terms of them demonstrating, one, the introspective work of how has something like covering impacted them? What is their relationship with LGBTQ folks uh, plus folks been like? Um, and how are they elevating leaders who are from those communities? Uh, but also, how are they setting the tone for what is and is not acceptable from a norm perspective? And how are they even thinking about things like if a company has a dress code? Is it a gender dress code? Is it expansive in how people can show up? So those are some of the areas where I see people doing work. There's also a lot more work to be done as we've thought about what it means for us as a, even as a small team to create an inclusive organization. That's also meant that as we're hiring people, as we're onboarding people, we actively talk about here are the, here are the values that we live by. Here are some of the experiences we bring to the table when it comes to how you present we don't have specific set dress codes that are gendered or or skewed in one way or another because we know that there are different ways that people move through the world. So I think all of those things are kind of intersecting right now in addition to the language component. You mentioned a, a term a little bit ago called covering, which I'm assuming that means that um, somebody withholds revealing that they're of a different orientation in order to avoid creating conflict. Is that accurate? Yeah. So the way I define covering is downplaying, hiding, or filtering parts of ourselves. Yeah. And so that's absolutely what you just named would be an example of that. So it's something that people whether it's like my example from earlier, changing how I physically presented to what people share of, of themselves, whether or not they're part of the LGBTQ plus community in general, or whether they have a partner, they may not mention, oh, I went to this club over the weekend, or I'm part of this, um, this gay softball league or volleyball league or participated in pride over the weekend. And so leaving all of those different types of information out and hiding it or downplaying it can then have those ripple, those ramifications, like yeah. I mentioned. And and it's so difficult because I know from experience with people that I know that it creates so much anxiety and angst within the individual to do that covering. Like the fact that they might feel like they can't even reveal that to people that are the closest to them, which has been my experience, that the hell that they that a person has to go through, that shouldn't be the way that it is. And and yet a lot of times that's kind of what it feels like society is imposing on people, you know? Absolutely. And that, that's one of the when I'm talking about the impact of covering, like what you just named, one of the messages that I try to get across is the kind of internal impact that can have and then how that can ripple out. Yeah. And it affects their health. It affects their psychology. It affects how they, it's just everything. It affects everything. Absolutely. Um, I know you have a lot of uh, things on your calendar for today. Um, I do think we, I think it would be a good thing to do uh, additional conversations in the future if you're up to that um if how can how can people reach out to you if uh, they want to learn more about the work that you do with about your nonprofit how that you can work with uh, let's say their business 
Well, I'd love to have some follow-up conversations. I think this has been great. And if people want to learn more, whether it's about covering or the work we're doing at Ideas X Lab, they can find me at www.joshmiller.ventures and also connect with me on LinkedIn. So those are two great ways to get in touch. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking the time today. Again, um, good luck in everything that you do and we'll stay in touch and we'll talk again soon. That sounds great. Thank you. Thank you.